We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. It's Tuesday, November 23rd. I'm joined by Britt Robson of MinPost. This will be my last podcast here leading up to the Thanksgiving Day. The Wolves are on a four-game winning streak. They play Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat tomorrow night, Wednesday evening. Britt, I was thinking about it as just getting ready for the pod today. And I, I, we've probably done like maybe a hundred podcasts together over the years could be. And I, and I don't know if we've ever done a podcast while the wolves were on a four game winning streak or really any sort of winning streak. So I just give that to you open-ended to start of like, right. This is a pretty different place to start thinking about the wolves right now than we have been at. And so just, where are you just generally at in your head as the wolves sit here eight, nine on a four game winning streak? Well, I'm reassured. Because I came into this season probably more optimistic about this team than I've been in, certainly since Tibbs' first season. I actually thought that when Tibbs took the job and uh, it was apparent that Wiggins and Towns had some offensive skills but were lacking in defense, that uh, I thought that that would be a great match and that this team would finish over 500. Um, I I think... And they finished with what? 29 wins. wins. But then, you know, then the second year, of course, they they finished with 46, I think. Uh, And so, but but the point being, um, when this team was four and nine and had lost eight of nine and three of its four wins were against the Dregs, um, I began to wonder whether or not I had grossly miscalculated this team. I had kept the I wondered that about you too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I kept the faith because I had faith in the defense and I thought the offense would come around, but the wolves have been, have bushwhacked you from so many different ways that it wouldn't have surprised me if the wolves continue to play great defense, but get submarined by, for some reason, a ridiculously bad offense. It actually, kind of happened last night if they hadn't been playing a team yeah. the caliber of new orleans they they may have lost on the basis of another shitty offensive performance but 
defense is a better regulator of quality than offense. Uh, you know, not necessarily in the modern NBA, but the game I grew up with and the game that I continue to cherish, I just trust good defensive teams better than I trust bad, uh, bad good offensive teams. And so uh, I was saying, man, at least they play good defense. If they wind up winning 28 games or 31 games and they continue to have guys like Vanderbilt and Pat Bev and McDaniels and Okogie flying around, I'm still going to have fun. I mean, that's kind of where my mindset relegated to during the losing streak. And then when I want to, you know, actually I thought the game and I, I think the team, just by the way they talk, feels this way. The Phoenix game was a big game because they played really well. And that was a fun game to watch. Two really good teams going at it is what it felt like. And Phoenix got pushed. Chris Paul had to be Chris Paul. You know, Devin Booker had to be Devin Booker. Um, and so I think that gave them a little bit of hope and confidence. And then, you know, they got set up with three, you know, subsequently Sacramento's fired its coach. Uh, we don't know if Greg Popovich cares anymore. Um, and, you know, and the Pelicans are a mess, uh, you know, and and so well, that's what's kind of the tough part of this right now, Britt. I think we're both, you know, leaning into the optimism of this some, too. But I don't know. I guess the way I've been viewing it over the course of the week, just doing pods after every one of these games is I'm like, all right, this week was kind of after the Phoenix game was kind of like climbing the ladder and not even to that high of a rung. But right. like. I, I thought the, the Sacramento game and the San Antonio game, the back-to-back -back right there, you basically you need to assert your dominance over those two teams because if you can feel confident that the Timberwolves are better than the Kings and the Spurs, then you feel confident that the Timberwolves are going to be a playing team at a minimum this season because all it takes is five teams, right? You know, being better than five teams in the West to make the play-in as the 10 seed. And we know Houston's a lock to be down there. We know New Orleans is a lock to be down there. We know Oklahoma City. So that's three right there. But we and don't the next know two, Oklahoma City. That's what's crazy. We know, though. We, I mean, given what we saw the right. second half of last year and the adjustments right. they'll, right. You know, they'll make, I, I feel, I mean, we can't say with any certainty, but I think for well, actual certainty, I think we could say that those are the five bottom teams in the league. And the Wolves, at a minimum now, in the Western Conference, we can feel confident in saying they're the 10th seed in the West, and that should be the floor for expectations. So, you know, that's the climbing up the ladder Wednesday, Thursday. And then on Saturday, you have they crushed Memphis. Who's the next tier up, right? You if you think you're better than Memphis, now you can start talking to yourself about an eighth seed. And you know, just winning a couple games in a week doesn't mean you're certainly better than those teams, but it allows you to glean the possibility, right? That right. that you that you are dominant over over those teams. We know that the Wolves have superior talent to those three squads so to see them put it together yeah like i think it's it's worth it to get encouraged but again like the ladder they climbed isn't exactly like right 15 feet tall right it's right it's it's, it's a ladder to the 10th seed and uh it's kind of where i thought they'd be uh i i didn't know you know i i, I still say that between 35 and 41 has been my my window uh, I, I think it's a realistic window. I'm not in the, I'm not saying to myself, this is a 45 win team. This is a, you know, 48 win team on the basis of two really lopsided scores after two workmanlike wins over bad teams. 
you know, that's still a four game win streak and that's great. Um, I think the thing that encourages me the most is that they're beginning to uh, develop winning habits that come with a pattern of confident success. And uh, I think whether or not that winds up being like, if Wednesday's game is as good as the Phoenix game, I'm happy. I love the idea of, uh, you know, them going tooth and nail against a heat team, maybe bam. I don't know if bam will be back for that or not. Um, but Jimmy Butler will be there and Tyler heroes playing well. And, you know, PJ Tucker, uh, you know, they've got some pieces. Um, and so I, I think that the heat is another, I mean, one of the good things about this is, is I'm kind of interested in seeing the big three on offense and then our four guys and, and by, for the purposes of the starters, which is probably the column I'm going to write tomorrow is just um, how Pat Bev and Vando, you know, complement that starting lineup. And totally. And, and I think that that's become a thing. And, and, and I think a lot of people would be bummed out if that wasn't the status quo going forward, the players, most of all. And as a result, you can see how Pat Bev and Vando inspire D'Lo, Ant, and Cat to play better defense. They have, you know, they've got something. Uh, let's say they're just playing selfishly. They have a chance to really rehabilitate their image now. They're not going to be some doofus trying on defense while the team breaks down around them, you know, which is kind of what you saw from the Pelicans the other night, a sense of hopelessness. Uh, which we recognize all too well. Um, I think what we're seeing now is the opposite of that. I think we're seeing a gradual awakening. D'Lo especially um, starting to extend his levels of focus on defense has been a really rewarding thing to see because it's important. He's got tools that can be good defensive tools and he's smart. So, um, he's got a ceiling on defense that has been, has raised for me so far this year. And so all that is to say that whether or not the wins wind up being 41 or 35 or 38, you know, they're going to lose in the playoffs early. That's the ceiling for the season. And so I'm not, you know, uh, I'm big on the experience. You can't cover the rules as long as I have without just basically treating the season as an experience and it can be an extremely pleasurable experience and have a play in game or have close losses to good teams where you see quality basketball happen. Um, I'm ready for that step. I think this team is, is capable of that step. Uh, If they do anything beyond that, then they're going to be all the more fun. But if they if they don't do that at this point, now having shown um, that they can put together a defensive strategy, while there will be regression, inevitably in some ways, it will not be a bottom six defense unless they let go of the rope. And uh, you know, 
that's that's a good feeling to have. I, I totally, and I think this all ties together. We're probably going to steal some of your <laughs> thoughts from the Beverly Vando. Oh, that's all right. Column. Actually, maybe you'll contribute to them. I haven't written it yet. <laughs> well, what what I've been really thinking about, and it stood out to me after the the Spurs game was was this idea of Jared Vanderbilt being a very it's 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 kind of wild because he's this wild player right he's mm-hmm. he's all over the all over the place but his impact is consistent right mm-hmm. it is this it is the same thing you know night overnight you're gonna get the same thing there's 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 little variance on on what his impact will be you know sometimes he's gonna grab more offensive right, rebounds right. or whatever but there's beginning to be this pattern recognition by the players that surround him that expect this out of Jared Vanderbilt. Right. And, and I think that there's power in that consistency. And I think Patrick Beverly also is a player like that with little variance on what he's going to get night to night or give night to night. It's, it's consistent. And in cat Ant, and Delo being such high usage players are inherently going to be variable, right? Like right. it's going to be up nights and down nights. So there's, become this yin and this yang and there's become this balance of expectation not huge expectation but reasonable expectation from Patrick Beverly and Jared Vanderbilt that I think is just having starting to have exponential returns for this team and you know the the one thing I noted on the pod a couple nights ago is is how teammates are expecting expecting Jared Vanderbilt to get the offensive rebound and then kick it out to him in the corner like you don't see that normally right right in 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 the NBA there's just and it's the same thing, you know, I could list a handful of different things with Patrick Beverly, but those the controlled nature of what they bring is is really, really making a difference. And and it, it's just it's a really kind of fun thing to peel the layers back on because, I mean, the numbers on this team are are a, kind of a fun science experiment, right? Yeah. Where total, I mean, it, it's interesting to dig into from the, the you know the D-low defensive rating under a hundred to right, right. Know, to this and the, the synergy of the top three. And the one thing that really st- stood out to me a few nights ago that uh, I hadn't peeled back a ton of layers on was the fact that you know Cat, Ant, and D-low now have p- played three hundred minutes together, and they have a net rating of plus thirteen point one. Right. And the defensive rating's awesome on that. It's right. it's ninety seven point one on the season, and so you go, oh my gosh, this uh, <laughs> these three offensive one way players have put together a sub one hundred defensive rating, and you know you start giving credit to Cat and Anthony Dillo, which they all deserve some from sure. from the from the growth they've given, but but then you factor in that almost exactly half of those 300 minutes have been played with Patrick Beverly and almost exactly half of them haven't been played with Patrick Beverly. And it's, it's fascinating in the 154 of those 300 minutes with Patrick Beverly, the net ratings plus 24.4 right, for that foursome. And Vando. I mean, those are the stats I've been looking at as the four man stats with those guys really show you. I mean, right. and what's great about that is it it's both ways. That you, you just got through talking about Vando getting the offensive rebound, kicks it out. Vando is feeding open threes. If you're doing that from the perimeter, you're a point guard. But if you're mm-hmm. doing that from underneath the hoop, it's actually almost a better pass because odds are it it's is. going odds are it's going to the corner. And so mm-hmm. it's an open corner three. And so Vando is operating as like a third wave point guard on this team. <laughs> 
you know, in terms of the fact that he's grabbing the offensive rebound and dishing to the corner. This is one of the things I wanted I'm going to write about tomorrow is uh, that both of these guys, Pat Bev is setting these incredible back picks on people and burying these (laughs) three pointers whenever people leave him, you know, the other night he he paused forever, and usually when that happens, it isn't necessarily a good thing when a, a defender is just saying, "All right, you know, mf, shoot, you know, see right. what you can do." And he he went up and nailed the three, you know. And it's like, oh, Kogi can't do that. Jade McDaniel's <laughs> probably can't do that. You know that you know uh, uh, Vando can't do that from that distance, and so. Pat Bev and Vando are contributing at both ends. And that's what makes it, they are quote unquote one-way players. Now you can't say that about Pat Bev, but Vando has created a little niche for himself where he's becoming a two-way player. And as a result, um, as you say, the guys who really will remember a teammate when they're being rewarded and some of that is is covering from them on defense, but some of that is also just zipping the ball to them wide open for a three. Um, and then the other thing I want to say, just in the way that I love that they're together as a five-man unit, but also the way that the niche defensive guy is in the mix, is that Vando inspires physically, and, and Pat Bev inspires mentally and psychologically. Um, And so that combination is really cool because uh, the moment that Ant wants to take a playoff, next thing you know, I mean, Vando's flying around and getting the ball or chasing down his man or, you know, and or conversely, you know, the next time uh, he's a little late to something, Pat Bev is in his ear saying, hey, you know, get over there. So it's like it's separate forms of discipline and separate forms of example tone setting and consequently it is is more complementary it's more exponentially or synergistically positive and so uh it just and you know it it could fall apart teams fall in and out of uh rhythms and right now they're obviously in a great rhythm and as you pointed out you know they're three pointers New Orleans missed a ton of open three-pointers the other night. We'll get to that. (laughs) And and so there is that. But you have also um, D'Lo Cat and Ant taking plays off, but fewer plays off, contesting more, rotating more diligently, um, taking pride in the fact that they're a winning team right now and consequently – uh, operating in a manner that is bringing them all together in a certain way. And so, yeah, I mean, right now it's, it's such a rare thing, but that's the way it happens. That's how you win games in the NBA. Who knew, you know, hundred uh, percent. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back. I want to talk about the impact. I think Chris Finch is playing in all this. I think that's a lot of the glue there. Today's episode is brought to you by 20 by 20 Solutions, a Minneapolis-based technology consulting company that works with your business to help you build and sustain success. A great front office puts together a winning team with a coach who can put together a winning strategy. When leadership does its job and it all comes together, that means success. 
Success in business isn't any different. Business leaders need to find the right mix of technology, strategy, and talent to make things really work. And that's never been truer for growing companies. 20 by 20's team has helped grow companies from thousands of customers to tens of millions by helping businesses across a wide range of industries, from consumer technology and healthcare to manufacturing and even human spaceflight. Reach out to Clark and Ben, who are Wolves fans and fans of this show, by emailing them at team at 20by20solutions.com. That's T-E-A-M at 20x20solutions.com. And their team will review your needs and help you put together a plan before you need to make any commitments. 20 by 20 solutions, technology, workflow, architecture, strategy. They're your sixth man on a winning team. All right, we are back talking with Britt Robson of MemPost, kind of reacting today to the four-game winning streak of where the Wolves are at. I think it's, yeah, it's probably been four games exactly since we... Since we last recorded, and we were we were kind of positive. You were kind of positive about the defense. Yep, coming in, I was a, a slower adapter. You were you were convincing me. Um, and I think where my head is kind of adjusted over the over the course of the week is is a growing belief in Chris Finch, and and what's gone into a lot of different things from a from a a, a coaching standpoint. I think the defense is probably the greatest example of this, but everything we were just describing with figuring out the yin and yang with Patrick Beverly and Jared Vanderbilt and and going to that being the, you know, the starting five when it wasn't an easy quest to discern what the best starting five is or what the best rotation is. Like, I think, you know, I think credit to Chris Finch that he's kind of landing on all these sort of things. And, you know, it took a while. I think there was some rotation hiccups along the way, figuring out, how to find that flow, but you are, you know, you are finding that flow. And and I think we could talk about the defense a little bit more, but the, the one thing I think has proven to be really smart is, is just the way he's used D'Angelo Russell from a rotation standpoint. Um, I think last year when D'Lo came back from injury was a real, a real blessing in disguise. He, he came off the bench for the first 15 games after he came back from injury and, and really his like minute cap, I think was like 28. We kept asking Finch about like, you know, when are you going to put him back in the starting lineup, this and that. And he's like, you know, we can control the minutes when he comes off the bench, but also he kept saying like, this is kind of working like D'Lo with the second unit and, and holy shit D'Lo with the second unit is working tremendously this year. I thought I, my opinion was, I thought it should be ant should be the one staggered going into the season or early in the season. He should be the one staggered right. from, you know, from especially the... because it looked to me anyway, like D'Lo and Beasley in a backcourt was a recipe for other teams going on huge mm-hmm. runs. Good point. Right. But this D'Lo, I mean, particularly again, this, these last four games and, and, right. you know, Josh and Kogi's been out of the mix because he's been hurt, but it's been this D'Lo plus Beasley plus Prince, plus McDaniels, plus plus Nas Reed, and kind of, you know, Vanderbilt when Nas was hurt a little bit. But but really, D'Lo and four bench guys-ish sort of thing. And it's, I mean, it's thriving. The the net rating numbers on D'Andre Russell this year are absolutely astounding. I I don't have them in front front of me exactly, but I know last night when I figured it out. It's in the 20s, yeah. Yeah, he's like plus 27 net rating on the year. And the next highest rotation player on the Wolves is Anthony Edwards at plus seven. Right. I mean, it's 
Only because That's... Okoye's been hurt. <laughs> exactly. I said rotation players. <laughs> but but no, I mean, credit, you know, credit to Chris Finch there because as a group that's working and and you know, Dilo still isn't shooting great. Uh last night was no. a, a poor he's a poor shooting performance. Shooting, not shooting great is an understatement. He's right. it's probably the worst shooting of his career. It is. And he's probably it, it been is. as valuable as he's ever been in his career. That's what's cool. It is and, and I think that's uh Again, there's a, a ton of nuance to right, you know right. to dig into there, and you know, like anything, like this three point shooting stuff, whatever. There's like, is it all 100 percent true, accurate? You know, Chris Finch isn't even dodging away from it. He's like, we're we're gonna have to see where this all shakes out, right? Mm-hmm. Like, right. It it's Dilo's not gonna be a plus 27 net rating the whole year, 20 points better than the rest of the start. Like, right. There's gonna be be some balancing up, but he's gonna shoot better, too. Yes, exactly. And and I just I just am. Uh, I'm really encouraged by the fact that they've that they've found something there because I mean, let's call it what it is. Like coming into the season, for particularly after the first week, like there's some D'Angelo Russell like alarm bells going off, right? And and really, since he's come back from that injury, for the most part, those have been silenced in terms of the impact at least he's having on the floor and the Wolves winning games when he's. When he's out there, even if his scoring isn't individually making the difference, which was before the only thing you really were like, that's what he does. And I was kind of disappointed in his answer to me the other night. Um, I wanted him to take credit to some extent for deliberately going to the hoop and Mm. getting fouls, doing that hardened straight arm move he does, which was non-existent for like the first eight to 10 games of the season and has been a staple of his performance. And the idea that he didn't make a conscious effort to do it, uh, you know, I always dislike it when uh, players are disingenuous with me me on on things where I'm just basically leading them to an an answer that I know is the truth, you know? I mean, yeah, and actually it would have been a complimentary thing, but... D'Lo, the rap on D'Lo last year, even when he was really shooting well, is the guy doesn't get to the cup and he doesn't get the efficiencies of that kind of thing. And if Finch wasn't going to run pick and rolls and if he wasn't going to take it upon himself to do dribble penetration, then he was going to be a glorified combo guard, you know, who who was shooting 30%. And even though his defense was much better, that wasn't going to help his offense very much. So, but, but Britt, let's go back a couple months earlier in the season because you're talking about the the end of the season there, right? Once he came back from injury. Well, I'm actually mostly getting... talking about this season, but uh, I, he wasn't getting to the cup early in this season. He was shooting from outside a lot. And I, I thought, well, because I've been seeing the same thing, thinking about like, man, th- th- this is profit when Delo's getting all the way to the rim. Exactly. And 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 I went back into my brain of, of thinking about how last year during that real morass of no cat and a bunch of injuries, and it was the Delo show. Right. Um, obviously, that was not a that was the Ryan Saunders time too. Right. But do you remember what showed up in that time was Delo because he had so much usage thrust upon him. He did show the ability to get. To the rim. I remember that right, one right. Oklahoma City game specifically. Like 15 free throws or something, right? Yeah, and, and it was just like high pick and roll with him and Nas every time. Right. And and you saw like, all right, if D'Lo, it's not his 
preferred method of offensive creation, right. but he has the ability to get down and, and get to the rim occasionally. And it's something I think he flexed back away from, you know, once cat got back Ant kind of hit the next level, but it's, it's an important thing to be in the mix with his game. And I think if we do see his individual offense start to turn around, we'll go, Oh yeah, the free throw rate went up. Oh yeah. His frequency of shots within five feet went up. And I think, I, I think that's what's happening. And it's, you know, it's one of those pretty like, intuitive things right it's like pressure on the rim leads to to better spacing around you being able to spray the ball out like that's that that might be that's an important factor of his best version of his game and and you make a good point that i didn't factor into the equation which is a lot of this has been happening when cat and ann are off the floor Mm -hmm. which means that that lane is open you know um because if it's not cat and ann then it winds up being, you know, Torian Prince and uh, Nas, you know, or whatever. And um, they're not lane cloggers like, you right. know, Cat and Ant can be. Or at the very least, you want to leave the lanes open for Ant and you want to, you know, at least in the old Cat, the new Cat proclaimed himself to be no longer a low post <laughs> guy. And I say, uh, let's, you know, hail to you. I mean, I'm, I'm glad if, <laughs> if he figured that out, then great, good for him. As long as he's not with his back to the defenders who are coming to double team him and then, you know, mm. doing the infamous stray voltage, then I think that, uh, you know, it's he is playing better. Ant is playing better. But specific to D'Lo, I agree with you. First of all, the defense is what I noticed first because it is so much better. But I do also think that what we're seeing is D'Lo saying – you know, I, this second string point guard, I can beat off the dribble or I can do my dipsy doodle game. I can get to the rim, long story short. And with these guys who don't see a guy of my caliber all the time when they're on the floor, I can get fouls. Um, and I think that he's a smart guy. I just wish he didn't say, I've always done this or, you know, I, I'm not changing. Yeah. Any, I'm not changing anything, you know, <laughs> He's, you know, that's, I know it's his prerogative. You know, I yeah. obviously he's, he's got a different, you know, right. public plate facing personality than, you know, him, I mean, him and cat when, when those two both come up for post-game <laughs> press conferences, like couldn't, you know, couldn't, couldn't be more, you know, right. more different, but, but I, I think just, yeah. I mean, to, I guess maybe kind of cap the, the D'Lo thing, like he, he came into media day saying what he said, contract year, wanting to have something to prove. That was something I think I actually found encouraging at the beginning of like, mm-hmm. all right, like he's, he's going to bring it for all 82 starting right out the bat. And then, you know, the first eight games come off and you're like, Ooh, not, <laughs> this isn't lining up. And, and I think that led maybe not just me, but a lot of people watching to go, okay, maybe, th- maybe that next level just isn't there. Right. right. And, and man, it's just as, you know, as someone who enjoys covering this team when they're they're clicking a little bit better, it's it really is, it it really is encouraging. And and then just you know simultaneously, to see Ant and Cat around him start to to fit a little bit better, and 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 come together. And there's a, I think we're beginning to see there is another level for this for this offense. The offensive numbers, like you said, still aren't that good, but Cat is figuring out how to place himself. And and ants, you know, it's always it's always a bit of an adventure. But um, 
you know, I, I think we're going to see this offense go up specifically in that three-man unit. And again, you can give Finch some credit there because Finch is the guy in explaining what is happening. He always emphasizes what should be happening. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and so that, you know, he's giving players credit for the things he wants them to do. And if yeah. they, they're doing like 75% of it, but there's that 25% where you're going, this is the wishful thinking coming out here, but it's also yeah. a smart thing, you know, you know, say, you know, uh, you know, he's a dreamer. Well, and he's also, it's his, not way, a bad way. Like, it's his yeah. way of also saying, Hey, you know, this is what you need to do. And I'm praising you for doing this, even though you're not doing it right now. Uh, and, and so therefore people are going to think you are doing it and they'll notice when you're not or something, but it, right. it does seem to work out. I was really happy, for example, to see uh, Delo's first offensive move the other night was a pass to Cat that right. if, it hadn't been, if it hadn't been fouled, it would have been a slam dunk. And mm. I know that it shocked the shit out of Memphis. They thought Delo was going to hoist the three like everybody else uh, and, right. and clank it. But, uh, I mean, that's a first quarter tradition. And instead, you know, Cat just started just – pounding on JV and in all the all the ways that you want to see cat play cat play I mean that up fake for a slam I thought man whoever got in his head to convince him to do that you know buy him a beer and if it was cat himself no it's a coffee <laughs> <laughs> that's right and if it was cat himself then hats off to you cat you know I mean sometimes you don't you 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 brag about the things that perhaps you did. And even if you did, it isn't as much fun as if you had said, I knew that I could put JV in a box out there on the perimeter. If I do an up fake, I could blow right by him. That's the kind of braggadocio I want to hear, you know, that whole, you know, cat right. in unveiling the science because it was, he played a really smart game the other night. I It's, so he he talked post game about how he's starting to figure out his spots, right? And he used the word discipline all the time, which was encouraging because I think that was something he really needed to think about. Right. And it is an interesting, like it, what's interesting is there are the right spots for cat when he's being guarded by a five, and there are the right spots when he's being guarded by a small, a four, a wing, right. a power four, a mobile whatever. guy, right. And those and those are different. Um, I, I thought, well, first, terrible game plan by the Pelicans last night. I, I I thought they went, they looked at that game three of the season when they beat the Wolves, and they go, we're just going to try and do yep. the exact same things. You know, try and be physical with Cat with Valanciunas, get him in his head. We're going to go with that. They like randomly started Garrett Temple because remember Temple like turned over right. D'Lo a bunch in that third game, and then they tried to run that pick and roll game. Where they just get Valanciunas going downhill when Cat's back in a drop. Well, it's like, like, did you guys watch the last ten Wolves games? They're not doing any of that stuff anymore, right? Like, or what teams are having success doing against Cat is guarding him with a small and then right. bringing the double. And when you put a five on him, like the Lakers did, like the Grizzlies did with Adams, like Cat's gonna cook that. Like, what are you doing putting Valanciunas on him? And then you saw to start the second half. What do the Pelicans do? Right. Put Josh Hart on him. 
You know, I mean, that's the book and that that's what they should be doing. And I'm I'm really curious to see as the level of opponent goes up, maybe level of coach goes up here is how good is Cat at knowing where his spots are based on the way in which he's being guarded, you right. know, and who and who is guarding him? Because, you know, uh, to be honest, it's tough. He, he's got a tough job because it's a those are very different things. They present, you know, they present different challenges um, it's this weird balance of like finding your own while also not wanting to take away from Ant and D'Lo and that. So like cat, if you, you know, you're going to be all NBA center this year, like you're going to have to solve that equation. And, and I think, I think he's starting to, I, I think he's starting to, but it's going to be, I think it's going to continue to be tough because we haven't seen the wolves totally solve the opponent going with a small on cat sort of thing. And that's the, like, you know, in the video game, that's the next right, boss at right. the next level, right? That you gotta, that you gotta beat. Cat, put you know, put a put a five on cat. That's like Stephen Adams. Like that's a wrap. You know, he, and he's that's be what able makes that. that's what makes the Heat game so interesting is because Bam is kind of both, both totally. Bam yeah. is a five and a mobile four. Yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. so what they may do is just ignore the double, or they may bring a double with somebody like Jimmy. I mean, just throw all the resources at him. And mm. and totally flummox them. Um, Tucker's really good at that. From the like, if they do try to go Tucker to the block, is, Tucker is good. I think Tucker. The, I agree. They might with go with you. Tucker on him, man. They might. First they of might all, do I that. agree with you. The the problem I have with Tucker in this particular instance is he's really charge oriented, and mm. I I think he can draw charges on Cat, but I also think that Cat's uh, finesse. Cat, I. I Long story short, I would not trust Tucker on Cat straight up. I would mm-hmm. much rather play him with Bam if I'm Miami because I do think that Tucker, while he uses his body, um, he's a positioning guy. He's a fire hydrant that he's not as mobile as Bam. Bam Bam can follow Cat's shenanigans better than Tucker can, in my opinion. Right. Tucker's better at strips. He might strip the ball. Um and you know who knows? I mean, it could be. I know, I'm fascinated to see what they do because you could just go with Bam on them, or I, or you could bring, bring a double. Tucker's I the mean, double. Tucker yeah. could be the double. And Tucker that, remember the, the Houston double, series, especially the blind double, because that's when you'll get the charge, mm. and so um, or the strip on the spin. I mean, you're right. Tucker Tucker could be a really good double. Um, I think the answer, man, is Cat on the perimeter against them, and you, and exactly. then off of that, like you know, Bam's going to be up on him. Right, right, because he's right. like, I can move my feet with you, this and that. I mean, that's the time to get that inverted pick and roll going. Right. Like, have Cat up top and have Ant come set a screen for him. Have right. D'Lo come set a screen for him. Like, there's this whole, I, I mean, I, I kind of label it as, like, the step back Cat. Like, there's this whole other level that Cat can hit that's offensive supernova. That's right. that's in right. there. Right. And, and, and some of it is just straight isolation. Like, I, I'm a believer that, the, that he has that he has this ability to just isolate on the perimeter with a step back game that like when he's decisive with that, like, that's right. I don't know. I, I, I think that's I nasty. San and then, Antonio, right. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I think like the next kind of pivot off of that too, is that once they press up even further, come start setting screens for him and, and, and let him, let him play off of that. Like I would, you're probably not going to see a, a ton of it. Cause that's so heavy cat usage. And, you know, he's right. playing, 80 90% of his minutes with Ant and you don't want right. to bury Ant in the corner right. but but man the next time the Wolves 
are in a game like the Phoenix one and there's two minutes left in the game and it's a one or two point game, give me that with Cat, man. Give me Cat at the top and and like go to work if individually or for, right. I mean, I agree. well that that I mean, and that's just my opinion. That's what I would. Right. You know, that's what right. I would. I would. I would love to see. And I don't know how it will work because you know how's it going to all click together with the other four guys. But like, you know, you know yeah. what? As you, as you've been talking, and I've begun to my mind has been wandering into matchups. Um, Miami's going to try to beat the shit out of Vando, aren't they? I mean, they are going to when Vando starts. Kamikaze oh, he, drives to the he hoop. flies up for one of those like Dwayne Dedman's just going to clip it in the middle. He of the is going to sure. wind up in the past the baseline in the in the photographer's row more than once, and and uh, <laughs> and he's going to he's going to get shoved when when he's running baseline to get those rebounds. Somebody's going to give him a slight chuck and send him into the bench. I mean, he is mm. going to. Uh, you know, again, I hope I'm wrong, but I, that's the way I would play Vando. I mean, Vando's momentum already has him out of control. And if you just mm -hmm. subtly tilt that a little further, you may even be able to get a foul on him without getting any whistles yourself. Mm -hmm. And I do think smart scouts and Miami strikes me as always. I mean, Eric Spolster always has something cooking. Um they will notice how much Vando has been a part of this offense now, extending possessions. And, mm. and it's right up Miami's alley. Miami loves to get physical with people that are a problem for them. Uh, well, he, he's kind of like a heat, or he's got that heat fire. Like, he's kind of <laughs> like a heat player. You know what I mean? Right. It's, uh, he's yeah. kind of like, no. uh, um, James Johnson in his heyday, you know, I mean, a guy <laughs> who, you know, used to bang people around and get offensive right. rebounds and, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun game. I mean, I'm getting excited about it just thinking about it. Let's take uh, one more quick break here and then come back. I, I do want to talk specifically about the defense and the, the three-point defense. We've been skipping around here. All right. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, back with Britt Robson of Mint Post. Final segment here on our, I guess, pre-Thanksgiving podcast. Recording this the day before uh, the matchup against the Heat that we were obviously just talking about. Um, Britt, I, I think the the one real interesting topic, and you know, credit to some people on on Twitter who I think highlighted some of this, brought it to my attention for sure too. I mean, I was aware of the fact that the Wolves. Um, defensively are 
getting some really good fortune um, in terms of three-point shooting against. They Teams are shooting a league-worst 30.6% from three against the Wolves' defense. And it brings up this really interesting, you know, sort of analytics versus effort, sort of eye test, all this sort of thing, conversation that is just really, is just really fascinating to me. But the, I mean, the real one kicker, as much as I want to lean into the like, you know, they're contesting shots, like the, the craziest one is with that, the Wolves starting lineup, opponents are shooting 14% from three against them. And that's a lot of minutes. You're getting, you know, you're getting some good fortune there. So I totally fall in the middle because I think that's the logical place here where I think the shot contests are making a difference. I also think that opponents just missing shots, not having played a tough schedule thus far, is also a big part of the reason why the, the Wolves defense is where it is. Where where you just kind of add on this Wolves defense versus three-point variance sort of thing that's going on right now? Well, I think... As much as I am a uh, bang the drum guy for the improved Wolves defense, I'm a I'm a unabashed cheerleader for the way they've been playing defense. Um, nobody in their right mind would expect NBA players to continue to hit at such a low percentage against this mm -hmm. team. What I will say, and this is a little bit the Jim Pete idea too. I think we're aligned on this. He may even be a little bit more of a cheerleader in this respect than I am. But I do think there is something to not only the contests, but I think that when a team is swarming and, and taking the ball away from you on a regular basis and getting turnover points, you rush. And you mm -hmm. also are aware that somebody may be um, – doing something soon to you that isn't necessarily happening. Uh, mm -hmm. You get a little spooked as a team. And I think that Pat Beverly is one of the best in the game at that, at just doing things that uh, you, you kind of go, wait a minute, shouldn't that be a foul? Well, I guess not. <laughs> or, you know, shouldn't that, you know, how did that, you know, how did this little guy, you know, stand up to me or, you know, uh, stonewall me, or how did, how did he draw that charge? How did he wrest the ball away from me? Um, and then with Vando, you have this guy like, Oh, we, you know, we did a good job. The possession's over. Oh no, wait, you know, the ball's being tipped and, you know, <laughs> we have to do this all over again. Um, and consequently, when you go back down, uh, you feel like you need momentum and it's that whole notion you know, you try to get a lot of it back, especially if you're a three-point shooter anyway. Um, I do think psychologically the way the Wolves are playing defense, long story short, does have an impact on a team's ability to hit threes. Uh, I think that's I think, totally true. I think that's another depressant. Um, does it explain the extraordinarily low percentage? No. I think the caliber of the opposition explains some of it. And I do think you have to say that random variance has been kind to the Wolves thus far and that it will balance out. Um, but I also think that the median, the mean level is going to be much lower than I thought it was going to be. Finch openly sure. conceded. Finch said, you, you got to give something up. 
and I'm giving up above the break threes. He just as much as said it on a numerous occasions. Well, where the Wolves are doing their best right now is above the break threes. I mean, they're, they're, they're throttling teams and the contests help and, and crazy, you know, the one time Ant, Ant, Ant's got bad peripheral vision still, and he's still a little bit too steel happy or whatever still, although not as steel happy as Torian Prince, as it turns out. But anyway, I digress. Um, but he is contesting like a banshee. I mean, Ant is running out to contest shots the way Vando does. And, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's kind of fun. Uh, people don't realize, um, you know, how important that is just when you see, you know, a large player running oh, at total. you, you know, I mean, every team, if you watch the pregame warmups of just about every team, there's a large assistant coach or a small assistant coach with a broom or something, but there's always somebody out there making, simulating the idea that you are shooting a contested three right. over length. And and so consequently, they do that because it is an, it's an impact. It's a factor. And so uh, good for the Wolves. Um, can they continue? Can I, give you, can I give you the numbers on it? Yeah. Um, so overall, Wolves opponents are shooting 30.6% from three this season, which is the best in the league. The next best is 31.7. The average is 35. Is Toronto second? Um, here I gotta go full. That's right. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Cleveland, or no, no, no. Second, no, no, no. Second is the Wizards, who also are the one team, are the one team who's magically like shown up in the top ten defensively this year. So it's another strong case that this three point variance is playing a role. But but what I wanted to say was the Wolves are on non corner threes, those above the breaks. Opponents are only only making twenty nine point eight percent of those, which is far and away best in the league in in terms of that. And then on non or then on actual corner threes, it's thirty two point two percent, which is sixth best in the league. So right. they're getting, you know, they're getting a, a good statistical break. On the, again, they're playing a role in the contests you bring up. I bring up Nas Reed as another guy who's getting from that low man yep. out to contests a few times as well. I mean, they're an athletic team. It's, it's right. what you. It's it, this is what makes sense. I mean, let's let's hit on the big picture here. I mean, the Wolves completely changed their defensive scheme. Because this is what their personnel was better at. Right. Like that that's more more credit to Finch. Like they they are playing a I've decided I don't like the term scramble anymore because I think it's pejorative. Um and I, I think what they're doing defensively is a flow. They're not uh-huh. in man to man, they flow from man to man in terms of their rotations. Right. And and I think, you know, part of that is the scramble at the end to the contest, but it's pretty consistent when the rotations are good it doesn't strike me as a scramble it strikes me as a flow and and i think it's ironic because that's what they're searching for offensively um but but really i i am i am feeling and there's just this morning going back and watching the first half defensive possessions i mean you can you can rip off 10 12 possessions where the wolves rotations are just awesome in in that game and when i watch those and i slow them down i go this is a good flow from low man to X out to, and you know, sometimes it's not perfectly clean, but it's like they're getting more comfortable with this scheme and understanding each other to get those contests. And that was, 
That was the thing. We knew talk. We had a whole pod about the defense before the season started. And, and you that said, was one and of my I concerns. agreed with you that it's going to be a, a rough learning curve. Mm. Right. That's what and, you and said, I think and I agreed with you. I mean, I, right. I, I, that made sense to me. And it hasn't been a rough learning curve, but no. still, I think they're getting better at it yes, as time yes. goes on, I which agree. is in a way similar to what I'm. <laughs> the thing I got wrong is still right. <laughs> um, well, it's just but, it's a higher achievement. It's still a curve, but the curve started yeah. higher and finishes higher. Which is, you know, credit to them. And and just man, I like credit to Finch for going, hey, you know, we're not gonna do the same thing that they've done with Cat for six years. Right. Like the only time they are now putting Cat back by the rim is when they're playing two three zone. And even in that two three zone, they're kind of like flowing and scrambling around that right. as well. It's a weird. It's it's not a. I I haven't. I'm not comfortable with that zone. There's something about that zone that feels funky to me. Well, sometimes it sucks. Well, I know, but I mean, also, um, I think there's still a little bit too much. One of the things that always bothers me about zones played badly or played the way that I think it looks funky is where somebody defines their zone. What is their territory of coverage? Mm-hmm. And and when do they say to themselves, all right, I'm straying too far from my zone rather than saying, well, where's everybody else on the floor? You know, and it's should- such a harder thing to do at the NBA level, man. Like, yes, it is. Though, like, living in your boxes is so much easier to do at the college level. One, just different athletes, but a, a functionally a smaller floor with, the you know the perimeter area is just being smaller now. I mean, when you got twenty three foot three point line, like you can't just live in five boxes in a two three zone. Like right. there there has to be. That's why a lot of times, I mean, it usually takes me a couple possessions to pick. Oh, the wolves are in zone because exactly. sometimes exactly because sometimes zone looks you know looks like man. Um, but but that's the again that's the nature of of zone in the NBA. I think I think that's an area where. Maybe there's a little bit of a learning curve and I wouldn't say they're great at it, but a positive externality from that zone is I think it puts them in a better position to rebound because now you do have cat by the basket, right. not up 18, 20 feet. And if you're playing Vando, you have Vando already there, which means he'll get low the de- yeah. defensive rebounds that he mm-hmm. wasn't really getting that much um, earlier in the season. I think his percentage of defensive rebounds has gone up. Yeah, so. he's a stronger defensive or offensive rebounder yeah, than, st- than he always, is. Always, right. Defensive rebounder. But it's, uh, I don't know, man. There's just, I, I think there's still some low-hanging fruit to be picked in this defense as well, where the three-point shooting's going to come a little bit back more down to normal, and that's going to have an adverse effect on the overall defensive rating. But the Wolves are still last in the league in defensive rebounding. So. Yep you know, boost that a little bit um, or at least make it so there's not like a three percentage gap between you and the 29th. And one way, that to, do that, one way to do that is Vanda. I mean, uh, McDaniels at the three, which they've begun to do a little mm-hmm. bit more because uh, okay. McDaniels at the three. I mean, newsflash, we knew this all along. I mean, it, it just it, <laughs> including Chris Finch. <laughs> I mean, it's eventually uh you don't want to concede it because then if you go back to what you say is not ideal, people go, well, why are you doing that? And you then you can't say because it's the best of a bunch of bad options. You know, you don't want to yeah, right. throw your team under the bus that way. But I do think 
the emergence of Vando has given McDaniels a better chance of being able to be put in positions, not only coming off the bench, but playing the three instead of the four. The guy's 185 pounds, you know, and to ask him, having him guard Triple J the other night for Memphis, I mean, that's a 57-pound difference according to the listed weight, you know, mm-hmm. and I believe it, actually, if you take a look at, you know, Jackson. Jaron Jackson's huge. <laughs> He's huge. Like, it bursts. It doesn't look that big, like, gigantic on TV. He's like substantially bigger well, he's than stocky. in every way. He's one of those guys yeah. that looks like, you know, uh, somebody drew him like, like a, a dinosaur, like a, like a, a plank. And then they put hands and feet on him, you know, <laughs> I mean, he's very, very straight, uh, you know, and they shut him down. Like he had four yeah. rebounds in that yeah. game. Yeah. I, I know. Um, so to kind of wrap this up, I, I asked you, I, I think it was, we we're sitting around before the, the first game of the winning streak before the Kings game. And, you know, you were, I was still a little skeptical about the defense and you were still kind of on your high horse about it. And I asked you, where do you think this team is ultimately going to finish defensively? Yeah. This is, again, pre-winning streak. And I think when we were talking, you said 15th then. If I did, uh, I think 15th. I at, at right before, was that before or after the Phoenix game? I think it was after the Phoenix okay, game. Okay, then I can see the myself game. saying 15th. I think before the Phoenix game, I was beginning to think more in terms of 20 to 18. I mean, I, I was beginning to think to buy into some of your idea that the beginning of the season might have been a little bit of a mirage. Um, mm-hmm. But then the Phoenix game really gave me hope uh, because that's a quality team on offense. Um, so, yeah, I if I didn't say 15, I, I, I certainly probably didn't say higher than 15, and I might have gone mm-hmm. 16, 17. I don't know. I don't remember what I said. Something like that. It was like 15, two, 18. Two sentences after I say something, I usually don't remember what I said. <laughs> it's always better that way. Well, I guess the question that what I'm really trying to get at is do these four games, which were all, well, uh-huh. and include the Phoenix one, five games that were all good defensive games. I mean, have you even like raised your expectation for where no. this team finishes out defensively? No, because I do think they're going to become better on offense. And I think, Inevitably, what happens is that you get a little more leeway. I mean, what happened? I mean, when they're gonna they're gonna stop crushing teams, uh, and they're going to start beating teams that they otherwise would crush. They they were giddy. They were on momentum. I think now they're going to if 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 everything pans out. I'm not saying it will, because they have a tough schedule coming up. Um, But if they begin to be up 25 against teams in late in the third, early in the fourth, I hope that, you know, Finch begins to uh, trust, you know, the caliber of his players. And, you know, I mean, it's an ongoing thing for me this year. Rest Pat Bev whenever you can. Um, Uh, but but I do think that if they continue to hum on offense, and they didn't the other night, but if they if they continue to play the way they played against San Antonio and Memphis on offense, then I think that their defense will, by human nature, lag a little bit, and and 
that's when I think because I'm saying the defense will be better, I think they'll still be winning, which means I think they'll be able to think they can afford the lag. And consequently, where my optimism comes from, long way of getting around to this, but it'll be a lagging 15th rather than an optimal 15th. I think the Wolves can be a top 10 defense when they have to be if everything breaks right. I get what you're saying. I I had... um... Adam Mares on the podcast before the season, he covers the Denver Nuggets. And uh, we, we talked a lot about the the scheme shift, right? The parallel between right. what the Nuggets did with Jokic and Millsap and to what the you know Wolves are going to do with Cat and Vanderbilt, whoever. And I thought this was really interesting. And I, you know, one of those things that you really only pick up when you're watching every game of a team. And what Adam said uh, was what he's come to note with that scheme and the energy that it requires was that what he's noticed is the first 20 games of the season and the last 20 games of the season have always been very strong defensively where um, the middle of the year, it's just tiring and you kind of like, as all teams do, it's a long, you know, it's a long year and, and you hit a little bit of that malaise, right? Like, kind of like the Wolves did in the second half last night where right. it's, you know, the, the stakes aren't quite as high or you can't afford right. to keep the stakes quite as high. And then he goes, but at the end of the year, you know, like it's winning time. You're particularly if you're in the playoff mix, like you're vying for position and they kind of click back into another gear. So I've just kind of had that on my mind as I've, you know, we've been, the Wolves are a top 10 or defense right now. <laughs> like, right. Will it, will it sustain? Probably not like for, for the middle of the year, but maybe it'll be, I don't know. I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I could see it having that sort of arc to it, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's it's up, maybe chills out a little bit, and then and then spikes again at the end of the year. I mean, we'll we'll see. We're gonna see what the ultimate like impact of fatigue is on this style because man, it requires a lot more effort than right. than what they what they've done in 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 previous years. I think you got a young group. I think that helps. Uh, but you know, to your <laughs> To your Patrick Beverly point, Beverly's been awesome. Thirty-three. Is it going to be eighty-two games of this? Right. You know, maybe not. How is they've been Vanderbilt very, harder very than lucky yeah. with injuries. If you look at other teams around the yeah. NBA, the Wolves right. have lost probably fewer games than any team I can think of in terms of you know the core eight or whatever. I, I saw somebody like retweet or some sort of tweet today where it was like the Wolves and only two other teams in terms of games missed. Like games missed have been really high around the league thus far this year. Right. And the Wolves have been hardly impacted by it. So again, there's all these sort of things that are going to like right. bring some of these things back down to earth. But again, I can test that there are, there's some low hanging fruit to be snatched yep. on the defensive end. And there's also undeniably a higher level that this team can get to offensively that, um, you know, can, can totally make up for whatever it is. They're going to, they're going to lose going forward. Um, I, I got to get out of here pretty quick because I got to go catch a flight. Do you have uh, any parting thoughts on, on the Timberwolves as we go into Thanksgiving? Well, I think what I would like to say is let's not be like the Viking fans. Let's <laughs> not overreact to every single win or loss like it's a defining thing in the season. The Wolves might get waxed tomorrow night. They may win against a very good Heat team tomorrow night. It's still one loss or one win. Um, 
15 games, 17 games in, they're near 500. Um, they've played a relatively easy schedule. They've had good health. Yes, they've had some offensive hiccups that should, you know, be relieved. But there's no reason to think that 35 to 41 wins is a totally out of whack situation. So if you're thinking that they're going to be a 35 or a 32 win team or I mean, a, a 25 or 32 win team uh, because they suck a game or two, check yourself. If you think they're going to be a 45 or 50 win team because they just beat a quality team, check yourself. Uh, the odds of that happening are not good, and it's probably not good for your enjoyment of the game. You're going to be disappointed or you're going to become, you know, you're, you're going to yo-yo. Uh, Did this I'll happen the Jimmy Butler year? This happened the Jimmy Butler year. Remember that? Like, right, right. I mean, and 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 I like this is kind of different new territory for Wolves fans. I mean, right. you don't have often a team that's in the playoff mix. And I just remember like during that the Butler year where they went on a like a East Coast road trip and the Hawks were really terrible and the Magic were really terrible. And Jimmy Butler was, both of those was games. screwing up in crunch time against bad yeah. Eastern Conference teams. I remember that. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, and that is part of the variance of of the league. The the great teams do it. Right. Like the the who did the Nets just lose? I mean, well, whatever. It like it 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 is it is going to happen. So I think I think it's a, a really good point by you. And it's I don't know. I mean, I'm here reacting to every game on the pod afterwards. So I'm like by nature going to get a little caught up in the moment by it. But and there's nothing I, wrong with that. I just think no, keep yeah. the keep the big picture in the back of your mind. Listen, after that, I was giddy after that Phoenix loss. And, you know, I was probably happier after that Phoenix loss than I was, you know, against that San Antonio winner or even last sure. night, for example, where they didn't really play well in many respects. Um, mm. So I just think that, um, yeah, a key, every game is a keepsake. Every game has its own narrative arc and it's fun. You know, it's great right. to have that happen. But the big picture is the Wolves are better than they've been in a few years. And there's a firm foundation for believing that well, they're better. But they are taking a step. They are not taking a leap unless I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, right. people will tell me so. And I'm fine with that because by then I'll be giddy over the fact that they've taken a leap. Absolutely. Well, Britt, um, I'll look forward to your column tomorrow morning at Min Post or afternoon, I guess, is, is when it'll be up. I, uh, I mean, over the years, very few games have we not sat next to each other. I think this is only the second game I've missed in the time I've covered. I won't be at the game tomorrow night because I'm heading out of town for Thanksgiving, uh, which is, I mean, what a bummer. I've covered so many <laughs> terrible Wolves games. Wolves are on a four-game winning streak. Jimmy's coming to town. I'm going to miss it. But a uh, whole lot of season left. I think that's I think that's the the moral of what you're kind of, of getting at there. And, you know, we'll continue to we'll continue to chop this up uh, with with rational minds, I guess. <laughs> Uh, he's Britt. You can follow him on Twitter at Britt Robson. Read his column over there at Min Post. I'm Dane at Dan Moore MBA. I will be back to talk to you all after Saturday night's game against the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, have a wonderful Thanksgiving with your families. And uh, yeah, I look forward to continuing to do this as the year goes on. Britt, I'll talk to you later. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out.
How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah, yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.